The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today we're going to discuss a topic that is very close to my heart and soul and the center of my consulting business, brand development and marketing strategy. Joining us is Mitch Duckler, who is a managing partner and brand and marketing strategy consultant at Full Surge, which is a strategic consulting firm that helps clients achieve enduring growth through brand strategy and development. Prior to working at Full Surge, Mitch started his career as a CPG brand manager at Unilever and transitioned to the consulting side through working on a wide variety of brands, including Coca-Cola. And today, Mitch is going to tell us what marketers need to do to establish and maintain brand differentiation in the digital age. Here's our interview with Mitch Duckler, managing partner and brand and marketing strategy consultant at Full Surge. Mitch, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thank you, Benjamin. It's nice to be with you. It's great to have you here. I'm excited to talk a little bit about brand and marketing strategy. And just for a little context, I've been running an independent consulting firm myself for three years and have put it a little bit on the back burner since becoming more focused on podcast production. But it's nice to talk shop with somebody else who works in a a very similar field. So I'm excited to have you on the show. Likewise. I'm excited to be here. Well, let's talk a little bit about you, uh, your background, and about Full Surge. Just give us some context about your career and tell us a little bit about your work today. So I have about 25 plus years of experience in brand and marketing strategy that, as you mentioned in your intro, is somewhat split between client side and consulting. So I began my career about 25 years ago on the client side. So I was a brand manager with Coca-Cola and with Unilever for about 10 years and cut my teeth in the world of brand at those two companies. And after about 10 years, I made the transition into consulting, but still in the very same disciplines as I was with Coke and Unilever, right? Brand and marketing strategy. So what does that mean? It's brand positioning, value proposition, brand architecture, brand experience and extendability and so forth. So doing a lot of the same work, just more on the consulting side versus the brand management side. So my experience moving from being in-house to working in management consulting, or at least independent consulting, was by happen circumstance. Did you make a choice to go away from being in-house to becoming a consultant? Or what drove you that direction? 
it was a couple of things. First of all, what I noticed is what I liked most about my job in brand management was the strategic components of brand management. So the things that I mentioned earlier, like developing a comprehensive brand portfolio strategy for a company or positioning brands for competitive advantage, those were the things that kind of got me the most energized about what I do. And quite honestly, I didn't enjoy a lot of the more tactical or operational aspects of brand management. So I think it made sense for me to explore a different avenue. And Coca-Cola actually gave me an opportunity to work on an in-house consulting assignment that I enjoyed very much and really kind of gave me the consulting fever, if you will. But obviously, if you're interested in consulting, whether it's management consulting, independent consulting, whatever you want to call it, Coca-Cola is not the place to be. So I had to move on and do it more seriously with different firms. It's interesting to hear your experience. I was in a similar place. For me, it was getting a little frustrated with the dynamics of working at an early stage startup and some of the pressures of being both an operator and a strategist. And I was in the midst of kind of a career and life change where I just wanted to find a different profile of my work and life balance. And that drove me into consulting. And my work focusing on brand and marketing strategy was just me finding a niche for the needs of the people that were in my professional network. But it's been a rewarding couple of years for me. Anyway, my career experience aside, I want to talk to you a little bit about your playbook. And you've recently written a book called The Indispensable Brand about meaningful brand differentiation. And specifically, I want to hear about how you think about brand differentiation now that most brands are moving at least towards digital, if not entirely digital. Talk to me about your playbook for establishing a brand and what is unique about working on digital brands specifically. So one of the premises behind the book, as you alluded to, is that brands are becoming increasingly undifferentiated and homogeneous, if you will, within their categories is becoming increasingly more difficult to tell the difference between leading brands within any given category. I go into a number of reasons why that has occurred, one of which is quite honestly digital activation. And that's not to say that digital is a negative thing. In fact, quite the opposite. I'm a big fan of digital marketing and the potential that digital has for advancing brands. But I think far too often marketers have fallen into a trap where they get very tactical in their digital activation. It's for a number of reasons. The fact that digital is very often complex and not understood by a lot of marketers. It is very ubiquitous and and very pervasive in nature. And I think as such, a lot of marketers default to activation and to tactics and they forget a lot of their strategic underpinning especially around developing differentiated brands that make brands great in the first place. So that was really a lot of the impetus behind writing the book. And in there, I talk about different ways to establish differentiation, different than in the early days of brand management, where differentiated brand was all about end benefit. It's the end customer benefit and what it does for any given brand. And while that is certainly one way to differentiate, there are other ways as well. Before we get into the other ways of how you can differentiate is, As brands have increased their ability to reach customers with digital marketing, why is differentiation so important? Well, differentiation is really at the heart of brands in my mind. And brand management is arguably founded on the notion that what gives a brand power and value is its ability to be differentiated, obviously in a relevant way, right? Just being different in and of itself isn't enough. It has to be what I would call meaningfully differentiated. But without that, you really have nothing in terms of brand. You almost 
by definition, are trading on a commodity basis. So that's why it is so critical. Why I believe it's become heightened, especially in the digital age, and why it's particularly important for brands that are very digital in nature is just the proliferation of choice. So there have been an explosion of a number of brands within any given industry or category. And even the number of categories and industries has has been growing. So as such, consumer choice has really been proliferating. And the more consumers are faced with choice, the more they're becoming overwhelmed and struggling with which product is right for me. How are these different and which ones should I choose? And it's really at the core of this issue. Yeah, the thing that sticks out to me that you said is that without brand differentiation, you're essentially selling a commodity, which means that your only way to drive value is by lowering your price, improving your process, or reaching new customers. Really, what we're talking about is moving away from being a commodity product allows you to have more control over how you're pricing and where you're selling your products. Absolutely. Talk to me a little bit more about some of the ways that brands can differentiate Sure. So the first way I would think about it's almost in terms of the journalist, what's called the journalist questions, what, how, why, who, questions that journalists will often ask when they're writing an article. The one that I mentioned earlier, a customer benefit essentially answers the question, what does your brand do for me? What benefit does it provide? And that is typically the way most marketers will go about positioning their brand. But if you think about it in a lot of categories, that benefit is universal. There's a single benefit and a single reason why consumers will buy a lot of products. So you take hair care, for instance. I worked at Unilever, which one of their many categories is hair care. At the end of the day, all shampoo brands were about beautiful hair, right? So it was inherently not differentiating to say your shampoo brand gives you beautiful hair. So a lot of companies in that category, for example, differentiate on the how. That's a process or a technique or an ingredient. So Pantene talks about, and again, I'm staying within the hair care category, Pantene will talk about vitamin-infused formula. So that's a how. That's what makes them different. They still give that generic benefit of beautiful hair, but what makes them different is the how. That's one example. We're also seeing a lot, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, around why. So there's been a big push in recent years around purpose branding. Simon Sinek did a very famous TED Talk around the power of why. And brands that are essentially their reason to be is what positions them uniquely within the market. So it's a mission or a vision or a value. So Patagonia, that's a brand all about inspiring and implementing solutions to the environmental crisis. It says nothing about their products, right? That's almost secondary. But their whole point of differentiation is their why they exist, why people want to work for them, why those people get up in the morning and are excited to go to work, right? It's all about a purpose or a mission. So that's another way to differentiate your brand. I want to ask you about a brand challenge, or I guess two competitive brands that I think typify branding in the digital age. And the two companies that stick out and the biggest example of the power of a brand and the way that they can impact your business are Uber and Lyft, two of the most prominent ride-sharing companies, if not the most prominent ride-sharing companies in the world. And they have very different marketing approaches and incredibly different brands. And I would say that that is outside of which company took on more funding early on in their business, the biggest differentiator between the ride sharing services. Their products are essentially identical. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, 
And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. How do you think about the difference between Uber and Lyft? And, you know, just curious to hear your thoughts about the differentiation between those two brands. I'm going to answer that from the standpoint of a consumer. I have not worked directly with either of those brands per se, but I have used both. And what I can tell you is I think your analysis is spot on. The what is very similar. They get you from point A to point B in the form of a rented ride, if you will. Yeah. It's a Prius, no matter which service you use. <laughs> exactly. It's a Prius, right? And there's a driver and they rate you and you rate them and you can tip them. And the features are very similar, feature per feature. And if you didn't otherwise know or see the sign in the windshield, you may not even know which one you're in. But I would say that in my experience as a consumer, a passenger, as well as speaking with drivers, that there is a big difference. I find the Lyft brand, and again, this has been my experience, much more down to earth, much more friendly, more laid back, less pretentious. Uber seems to be a little bit more buttoned up in their communication and their branding, a little bit more transactional. Here's a great example. And again, this is just me speaking. Like if I get in the lift, I'll sit in the front seat and Uber, I view myself sitting in the back, right? I do the exact same thing. Yeah. It's a brand <laughs> thing where it just feels more formal. And, and I'm not saying this in a bad way or judgmental. There's a lot of people for whom Uber is a better option, but it's a little bit more stiff, a little more formal, a little bit more business-like. And I find Lyft much more down to earth, casual and informal. Yeah, I think that there's an interesting component to their expansion and some of the maybe corporate development strategy that also plays into the brand where Uber, they are the black as opposed to the pink brand, right? They are more sleek and potentially more ubiquitous. Yeah. And their strategy has been worldwide distribution of a similar product. So you can go almost anywhere in the world and you can get an Uber as opposed to Lyft has focused primarily in the United States, one of the biggest, if not the biggest markets in the world, mostly for transportation. And they focused more on the development of major urban metros. And now they're starting to get into more international expansion. And to me, the manifestation of their products and how that relates to their brands, like Lyft was clearly trying to grow the home market first. Uber was trying to go for worldwide expansion. And those brands look very different to me. 
Yes. And I think you bring up a really interesting point, Benjamin, because I think what we're talking about is what we started to talk about, or I did certainly was the positioning. But as you point out, that positioning has important implications for how you actually develop your offer, how you go about marketing your product or service. And you make very specific choices on offering, on experience, on extendability and expansion. You make very conscious and purposeful choices based on the essence of that positioning. And I think both of those brands have done so. And whether you like one or the other or both equally, you realize that they actually are different more than in just their persona or their intangible qualities, but also in terms of the actual service they provide. I want to go back and go a little higher level. In this episode, we position this to be how to establish and maintain meaningful brand differentiation. And you said that just like in journalism, you're thinking about how you're doing what you're doing or why the Simon Sinek approach. I'm assuming that you could focus on what, which is more of a product-driven differentiation benefit. And of course, focusing on the who, let's call that more of a lifestyle-driven approach. Talk to me a little bit about the process that marketers should follow to understand how to establish their brand and which one of those four variables to have be the leader. What I always tell clients is that it's really a combination of looking inside and outside. Very often, I think people think it's one or the other. Either you develop your brand strategy from an internal perspective based on your, your objectives, your mission, your competencies, your perceived points of difference. There are others who say, hey, who cares what you think? It's all about what the customer or the market thinks, right? And they'll go and do research and they'll understand consumer needs and attitudes and perceptions and drivers of purchase and loyalty and so forth. And that's fine too. But in my mind, it's not an either or. It's only when you look at both of those two lenses. What is it about you that makes you different and special? And what is it that customers in the market are looking for? And how do they perceive you? And it's really that overlap that represents your opportunity to position. For example, if you are a company that is very, very mission driven, and you get up in the morning to fulfill a particular vision or mission in life, you might be more likely to gravitate towards a why or a purpose uh, positioning. If you were founded on a particular technology or patented approach, you might be more likely to gravitate towards a how and talk about the process or the approach. But in either case, you do need to overlay that with the voice of the customer, with market research that understands who your target customer is, what they're looking for, how they view you, what drives them to be loyal to any brand. Absolutely. I think that after having done a couple of years of this type of consulting, my process has always been whenever I work with a brand development consulting client is to go in and interview the various stakeholders that are relevant in a company and understand how they think of their purpose, who their customer is, what their products are, how their products are differentiated, and why they bring value to their customers. And the second part of that is going and interviewing either their customers or prospects, depending on what stage their business is in, and asking very similar questions. How do you think about this problem? What is the problem you're trying to solve? What are the products? Where do you look for them? What is in your consideration set? How do you make your decision? And then to me, the brand is finding the area where those two constituencies overlap. And then you try to build your brand in between, right, of where your customers and where your overall mission and vision overlap. And that's really whatever language and market positioning and strategies live in that overlapping area. That's where you're going to find an extensible brand. 
I agree. I think if you only look at one, you really run the risk of going astray. If you only look internally, that's just too myopic and you're too internally focused. And no matter how intent you are, right, if it doesn't align with the market, you're not going to be successful. And conversely, the market can only tell you so much, right? You then need to overlay what is it that you want to do? What are your growth goals? What are your investment objectives and financial goals? You have to really overlay the two to get a robust strategy. It sounds like we have a very similar process and view on how to establish a brand. And one of the things that I've realized working with some clients for a number of years is that that research that you do, that understanding of the organizational needs and then the market needs are constantly evolving. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your process for maintaining brand differentiation and positioning. I think you're absolutely right. Very often, it's almost thought of as sequential and static. You do your strategy, then you do your development and execution, and it's linear and one point in time, and it doesn't change. But the world is forever changing. Obviously, markets are forever changing and being disrupted, even internally. Goals and priorities and financial and strategic objectives change. So you always need to be reevaluating your brand strategy with those different components in mind. What's different now than two years ago when the brand strategy was developed? What's different internally? from an organizational perspective and what's different in the market. And in terms of the latter, there's really no replacement for good old-fashioned brand tracking and research and metrics to constantly take a pulse on the outside market, right? Our customer needs the same as they were several years ago. The key drivers of purchase, the drivers of loyalty, are those the same or have those changed? And then also equally important, how do consumers or customers view your brand? Do they view it the same, whether it's positive, negative, or neutral, as they did several years ago? Or are their perceptions of you starting to change, either of which could force you to rethink your positioning? I think that's incredibly insightful. I also think it's a great transition into what we're going to talk about tomorrow on the MarTech podcast, which is how to understand, evaluate, and optimize your brand over time. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech podcast. Thanks to Mitch Duckler, Managing Partner and Brand and Marketing Strategy Consultant at Full Surge for joining us. In part two of our interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Mitch is going to tell us about his view on brand evaluation and optimization. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Mitch, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send him a tweet at Mitch Duckler, M-I-T-C-H-D-U-C-K-L-E-R, or you can visit his company's website, which is fullsurge.com, one word, F-U-L-L-S-U-R-G-E.com. A couple of follow-up links in our show notes to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't worry about it. We've got you covered. Just head over to martechpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you, so we created benjshap.com slash question, where you can send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to part two of our conversation with Mitch Duckler, a managing partner at Full Surge, we're going to publish an episode every day this week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. If you prefer to have our content delivered to your inbox, we also have a once a week newsletter with links to our audio player, episode summaries, and guest contact information. To subscribe, go to benjshap.com slash news. 
newsletter. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.